Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Today, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue on our road to episode 200, we stop at Vince's selection for a Christmas film. Yeah. Quite a Christmas film it is. Yes, sir. Denzel Washington, Whitney Houston, Courtney B. Vance, star in director Penny Marshall's The Preacher's Wife, a remake of The Bishop's Wife. Yes. And Vince's selection for this stop on the Me Show mission. But before we get into that, as always, we like to touch on all of the feedback that yeah. we get from each and every one of you out there in the world. And we got an email from Ellis Heron. Hey, Ellis. What's up, fellas? Hey. I was listening to your Night of the Living Dead podcast when I was at the gym. Okay. I was in the middle of a set when I heard you read my email. Okay. I was so surprised I lost my cl- lost my place. I'm just glad I wasn't on the bench press. Oh. oh my yeah, we're goodness. happy for that, too. You're also didn't know where this was going. It's good to hear She's Gotta Have It will be reviewed on episode 199. Yes. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about my favorite character, Greer Childs. Greer Childs? Which one is Greer Childs? Oh, come on. You know who Greer Childs is. It's our man. Oh. Folds his clothes. Yes. Yes. Took a half hour to fold his clothes before he got in the bed. Still does. Yeah. (laughs) Also... I know you support black podcasts. We do. Actors and comedians. We do. With that in mind, have you ever considered doing a crossover episode with a podcast like Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood? (laughs) I have a feeling that would be one of your best and funniest episodes. Keep up the hard work and the laughs coming. Sincerely, Ellis Heron. Thank you, Ellis. I have listened to Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. It is a very funny podcast. Okay. I haven't heard it. I have uh, to check it out. It's it's kind of cool. Um, and I, it would be interesting to do a, a crossover with them. I, I'm down for it. Yeah. Ellis, if you know them, yeah. drop them a line for us. Speaking of podcasts, uh, in our Facebook group, Matt Lambert. Hey, Matt. Posted a, a screenshot. I don't know if you saw this, Vince. I did see that. He's, he posted a screenshot of his Spotify account. Yeah. Which, you know how Spotify is like Facebook. It like shows you, like, you know, gives you little updates on what you've been doing. Right, 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 right. Your life. The on, algorithm. Right. Yeah. So your life on Spotify. So Spotify showed him what Matt Lambert's top podcast of 2019 have been. Coming in at n- number five was Anna Faris is Unqualified. <laughs> Coming in at number four was Dissect. Not oh, familiar with that yeah, one. Yeah, me either. like the name now. N- number three was Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. <laughs> yes. I am familiar with that podcast. Number two was You Made It Weird with uh, comedian Pete Holmes. <laughs> and his number one podcast of 2019 the Michelle mission. Yeah, thank you, Matt. We appreciate that. Why, Absolutely. Why, thank you. Yeah, love you for it. Yeah. Who needs Apple Apple podcast ratings? We're number one in Matt's heart. There you go. That's there all the validation go. that I need. We would like the Apple podcast ratings of y'all. That would be kind of nice, though. You know, so feel free. <laughs> um, speaking of Apple podcasts, 
Uh, I was looking and we got another review, Vince. Okay. On November 25th. Wasn't that Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, or it's right around there. Yeah. yeah. So on Thanksgiving, someone was moved to give us a review. Very nice. Thank you. I love this podcast. This is from rsands21. Oh, thank you, rsands21. You know what? What? That just dawned on me. Yeah. That's, that's probably Ryan Sands. You think that's Ryan? I it just It just hit me. That's probably Ryan. Well, if it's not... R. San- if that's not Ryan, thank you, R. Sands 21. If it is Ryan, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, these guys' mission to spotlight, critique, and celebrate black films across all genres is commendable, and I'm glad I can accompany them on the journey. Sometimes I'm Team Len, sometimes I'm Team Vince, but I'm always informed and entertained. They have a great rapport, and soon after you start listening, you feel like you're eavesdropping on a conversation between two of your old friends. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. And you're not eavesdropping. You're invited guest. Man, that was sweet. You like that, right? You like that, right? You. You like that, right? You. You like that. You're good, Vince. (laughs) You're good. Uh, speaking of black films. Yes. Or speaking of films that could be red, black. Boy, have you been re- have you been keeping up? <laughs> oh my God. Boy, I am enjoying this. I put out a post um, that Ariel Johnson of Amalgam Comics had asked us about starting a feature, Invited to the Cookout. Right. Where we spotlight Films that could be red. Red, black. Not black black films, but red, black through our lens of blackness. And this came from a comment from someone, uh, an email from someone mentioning that Blues Brothers might possibly be red, black. Yes. I think you even coincided. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think it's, well, I think anything can be red, black, but I think Blues Brothers can lead to a really, really interesting conversation. Yes. So. I put it out there to the missionaries that asked for their viewpoints on films that could be red, black, and, and things like that. And man, did they go in. Yeah, oh yeah. They yeah. went in. Um, I'm just, I got to go through some of these things. Uh, Derek Dunn suggested Save the Last Dance. Oh, absolutely. And Zebra Head. Yeah, yeah. Um, Van Everett uh, uh, thinks this is a great idea. He's got to meditate on it. Uh, speaking specifically about the Blues Brothers Michael Jewett said that neither the director or the main characters are black no they're not so he's not exactly sure whether or not he would he would say that they're black films and then didn't he say he hated the Blues Brothers and he said by the way I'm not a fan of the (laughs) Mike I think you might like a podcast that we do devoted to reading the Blues Brothers black (laughs) you might like that Uh, Chad Serta said is this where Soul Man comes back around I, see I don't see, what soul man be I don't know if you can read soul man as black oh, no 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 see let's be clear I'm not saying we're reading them black and saying that these are black movies no I'm uh, saying we're reading them through the lens of our blackness critically oh so again back to my Blade Runner example Blade oh, Runner is clearly <laughs> I mean it's clearly not a black movie right but I think if you read it from the perspective of blackness, mm-hmm. you get these really interesting textures. The same with the Dark Crystal. You don't even know what the Dark Crystal is about. I'm going to call you out. When's the last time you even saw the Dark Crystal? Craig Wooten. You don't even know what the Dark Crystal is about. 
Muppets. Muppets. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and David Bowie. <laughs> even as a kid, like even as a kid, I watched The Dark Crystal and it was like them weird ass puppets. <laughs> and it was David Bowie with a wig on. And it was like buzzard creatures. Like even I was like 12, like what in the hell is going on in this movie? But through the lens of but blackness. The, no, no, no. It was through my lens of blackness. <laughs> no, that was the 12-year-old. You weren't black. Oh, I was black. <laughs> because it was the 12-year-old Vince version of, this is some white people nonsense right here. <laughs> white people are strange. Craig Wooten says, is this where something like um, motherless Brooklyn falls since it's a murder mystery, but the subplot revolves around the gentrification of a black neighborhood oh i've not seen motherless brooklyn but i've heard really good things about it. i'm not sure if it's come out uh yet yeah um also he suggests um white boys which has three white teens from a predominantly all white town who want to be gangster rappers so therefore they befriend a black transfer student who doesn't fit their stereotypical ideas of blackness but they convince him to take them to see his cousin in oh. the cabrini green housing oh project god that sounds interesting. The yes. <laughs> interesting is a great word. <laughs> <laughs> Rojo. What's up, Rojo? Always has like insight. Yeah. I think this again brings us to the question of what is a black film? Absolutely. Are black remakes of white films actual black films or are they projected blackness? I'm not being flip or sarcastic. I just genuinely want to know. I th I think... Maybe we should fold that into our conversation tonight. George Carmona says most of the X-Men movies fit the bill as they talk about race, identity, passing, sterilization, and or survival. Yeah, absolutely. We, we just talked about that a few weeks ago. What we talked about in The Night of Living Dead. Mm -hmm. How the X-Men has really if, if either, either folded in or to Mike and his Blues Brother commentary, arguably co-opted. Mm -hmm. a lot of these themes yeah to make it appear so absolutely yeah x-men red black is is you know easy christopher goodnight said that someone told him the other day that creed wasn't a black movie creed is a black film creed is creed is decidedly a black film but there are some films i don't feel this way but i started or the mission I, i've mentioned it that I might say are not technically a black film such as I don't know um uh what's the what's oh, Lethal Weapon 2 Independence Day Independence Day right well we we grappled with Will Smith's right filmography. And a few few of his yeah. filmography well to Rojo's point <clears throat> about projected whiteness is just is this just a white film kind of with Black faces on projected blackness, right? Projected black. I mean, Creed is. I mean, Creed is just a Rocky movie, right? Like and, it really and, is a Rocky movie, mm -hmm. but it's almost like it's been remixed or recontextualized through blackness, much like the film tonight. Yeah, and I think it turns it into a black film. Yeah, but you could certainly argue that is just a Rocky movie. <laughs> you know, my favorite, like my absolute favorite. Creed memory. My wife and I went. Did you see Creed 2? It doesn't matter. I actually you, just did. You know how it works. 
when he fought that dude the first time and he went to fight him, my wife actually leaned over to me and said, well, we're only about 15 minutes in the movie. Michael G. Bo- Michael B. Jordan's about to get his ass kicked. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, because you know how the Rocky movies work. Right. And I knew. Plus, that dude looked like they went and shaved a bear. <laughs> True. Like, they went and found a bear. True. He was huge. I, I knew that. I like. You're right. This, the first time he goes to fight him, you know he's going to lose. Right. But in my mind, I was like, okay, he's going to lose. But it's got to lose in such a way that it sets up the rematch. Because if dude, like, thoroughly kicks his ass, then there's no reason for him to give him a rematch. But he whooped his ass. But he whips his ass. And I thought, they, I thought they handled that well. Yeah, it was a GQ. Wise. Like, you have to give, right. Yeah, he had to. Because he whooped his ass. Oh, yeah, he did. He, he, I felt some kind of way about it. I was like, okay, okay, okay. The other thing I will say, though, is that in Creed 2, I could see, I could feel the loss of Ryan Coogler. Yes, absolutely. Decidedly. Absolutely. In, in, and not even just in the production of it, but just in the The, the, the energy, yeah. just the energy. Of, like, like it really was, like if the first one was, and I guess we should probably start, start talking, stop talking about Creed so much. Uh, the first one was a Rocky remix mm-hmm. and recontextualized. Creed 2 really was just a Rocky movie. It was really, yeah. It was, it was just Rocky. a Rocky movie. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I just want to continue this conversation real quick because there was one little message that Rojo got in that I thought was really cool. She says, Well, I'll admit that the 1960s TV show Bewitched and I Love Lucy from the 50s were both shows about mixed marriages. I've heard that before. And I've actually read some stuff that, that, um, I mean, I love Lucy is 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 decidedly is yeah. is legitimately. But where, but where in Bewitch? They actually treat the witches in Samantha like they are another race. Oh, like there's so that, much okay. of the overarching plot of Bewitched, where they are dealing with the the the, the tension mm-hmm. and the stress of being in a marriage. Where you have one member who's from another culture, another right. group of people, like like a lot of us. Oh my goodness, Mister Blah 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 is coming over for dinner, and you didn't fix dinner, right? But it was a lot of her her relatives. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of 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 what does this mean when they had what was her daughter's name, uh, Tabitha. When Tabitha was born, mm-hmm. there was a lot of whose culture does Tabitha belong to? That's true. Yeah. yeah. This is not me, Bob. Like I said, I'm I'm 100% parroting things that I've read. Okay. Where, you know, people have kind of Yeah, I, I guess I can see it now. I, I, I wasn't even thinking yeah. about that. I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, she goes on to say, Sergeant Rutledge and To Kill a Mockingbird, maybe, Hicks Hitchcock's The Wrong Man is about a jazz musician who was wrongly convicted of a crime. No black people in the movie, but definitely a coulda, shoulda, woulda been. The Intruder, starring William Shatner. We've talked about that. Movie. Yeah, oh yeah. Bell with Google and Batha <clears throat> Raw. Yeah. And the 2011 version of Wuthering Heights, which depicts Heathcliff as a black man. I wasn't even aware of that film. I um, actually thought Heathcliff was black until I was in my 20s. Really? Like we read Wuthering. just from reading the just book. Just from reading the book in like high school and stuff. I just thought he was black. I've never read the book. Yeah. Never seen the movie. Know nothing about it outside of knowing the title. Um He ain't missing that much. That's that 
the word on the street. Yeah. So uh, she and Markham Lee get into a back and forth that's really very interesting for the uh, sake of time. I, I invite you all to go to our Facebook group, The Show Mission. Join in on the conversation. Like I said, people are, they go in and they went in on that um and, on that and Ariel, thank you for the idea. Apparently, this was this this is an idea that hit a nerve. It hit a nerve. People so. love it, and um, we'll be we'll definitely be doing it. Uh, last thing before we get to our review, Robert Monroe posted Queen and up, Slim Robert. was a beautifully shot was beautifully shot, but its ending was traumatizing. If I wanted to see that depressing nonsense, I'd just watch the lynching porn that pops up on the evening news and on social media. I look forward to Len and Vince take on this movie. Um, I will agree from looking at the trailers that it looks like a gorgeous film. Yeah. And I'll give people a little uh, peek behind the curtain. We are actually scheduled to sit down and review that film um, in the coming weeks. And yeah. And you'll yeah. look for that review coming your way in January when we sit down with the Black Star Film Festival's creator, Mayori Holmes. Yeah. To uh, review uh, queen and slim. I'm really, really happy she chose that. Like, I'm really happy we're going to talk about it soon. Yeah, you haven't seen it, have you? I haven't seen it yet, but I've been utterly fascinated mm-hmm. by the reaction to it. Yeah, and so. I think that says a lot about me that I was fascinated by the reaction because I have to say, without spoilers, I am amazed by how surprised people were at the way this apparently ends. I have no idea how it ends. You absolutely know how this film ends because you've... Right. You've... Right. (laughs) Like, from the first time I saw the poster, I knew how it ended. Oh, so it ends that way. I mean, it's a template. Well, yeah. I was hoping that it would, you know, go against the template. Well, and I think that speaks to why I'm really, really fascinated by this conversation that black people in particular are having about it. Because I think it says something about a deeper concern and deeper issue we've talked we've talked about periodically, and that is black people specifically mm-hmm. in our relationship with entertainment. Okay, in the role of escapism and the role of sort of artistic merit versus for lack of a better term, positivity or, or uplift. Mm, okay. And, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Okay. A lot. I, I too. And I'm glad we're having it with Mayor. Yeah. It'll be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I said that was the last thing, but just one more thing. Cause, cause I want your take <clears throat> on this real quick. Michael Jewett wrote that Denzel Washington as Sam Chisholm from, um, I think it, it, that's from the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. The remake. remake. Which I've not seen. Wow, you've never seen it? Yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, he asked, has there been a better screen version of a black cowboy or gunslinger? I'm having a discussion at work about this. I grew up loving westerns, and this is one of my favorite roles that he's played. It's it's a good movie. Okay. He's good in it. He's very good in it. Um, I would be very interested to see. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I, it, it just considering that you like westerns, it's it's it just slipped through the radar, right? And I bet if I look at the date, I can tell you exactly what year was it. Oh, wow, that may have been like twenty, <clears throat> like twenty six, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, a few years back. Yeah, my son. Oh, that's yeah. Right, Wendy Adam. was either pregnant or he was newly born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. 
that that actually does make sense. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's, it's really good. Um, I'm a buck in the preacher, man. Yeah, you because you just rewatched it. Again. Yeah, I'm a buck in the preacher, man. I really like Sidney Poitier's portrayal of a cowboy in Buck and the Preacher. All right, but we'll get to we. I guess we should do some westerns. Well, you said that's on your short yeah, list to short get us list. there. Yeah, okay. All right. You know, it's. I mean, luckily we're going to watch all of them. From what I hear, fortunately, yeah, they, they're they're all just gathered. It's just a pile of them. <laughs> just a pile of them. You hand up Buck and the Preacher. <laughs> right. All right, let's get to our review, ladies and gentlemen, of The Preacher's Wife. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. is the story of an angel. My name's Dudley. I'm here in answer to your request. My request? For help? A preacher. <gasps> and his wife. This is Dudley, the Reverend's new assistant. Who sent you exactly? The top man himself. Now that's what I call good looking. <sighs> My twitch is broken. Let's see what I can do here. What they needed was a miracle. They never had a siren. They got him instead. Take your wife out dancing. Can't do it. Not tonight. You go. Henry? Oh, my. From director Penny Marshall. You get out as much as I do. Oh, less, even less. I guess I don't have to ask if you had a nice time. We had fun. Remember what that used to be? Denzel Washington. Now, I've seen the way she looks at you. Really? I mean, really. Whitney Houston. You know you love him. Yeah, he knows it, too. That's the problem. So what does the sheep say in this play, anyway? <laughs> it's good to see you laugh again. It's nice to have a reason to. I want you to leave. Check the angel handbook. Wait a minute. Hey, Henry! Goodness. What was that? It wasn't me! The Preacher's Wife. An angel comes to Earth to help a preacher save his church and family. And thus we have Penny Marshall's The Preacher's Wife, starring Denzel Washington, Whitney Houston, and Courtney B. Vance. It is a remake of the 1947 film The Bishop's Wife, which in turn was based on the novel of the same name by Robert Nathan. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best Music, Original Music, or Comedy Score. And the film was nominated for five image awards including outstanding motion picture and won two of them for best actress Whitney Houston and for best supporting actress Loretta Devine this film which features a cast that also includes Gregory Hines Jennifer Lewis and a weirdly cool looking Lionel Richie he made a choice (laughs) I actually have that in my notes. Like when Lionel Richie's part comes, I was like, Lionel Richie's making a choice He's right now. He's making a choice there. And I, I can't say I'm mad at his choice. It was a choice. 
<laughs> this was Vince's selection for this stop on the Michelle mission. Vince, what say you of The Preacher's Wife? The Preacher's Wife is a solid film. The Preacher's Wife is a film that I have great affection for with full disclosure. But to go back to my first sentence, I think it is fair to say that my affection for this film is not entirely because of the quality of this film. Mm. I think it's, it's again, my word solid. As you mentioned from, from reading about the film's history, and you can infer from the, 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 the novel, and then it was the bishop's wife, and then it was a remate. This is one of those, speaking of templates and tropes, this is one of those plots mm -hmm. that you see in fiction, in in movies, and it comes up again and again and again, this version of the angel falls in love with a human. Right. And has a, and then you have the, the back and forth, the tension between wanting to be a human, this, that, and the other. So just plot-wise, it's not a revolutionary plot, mm -mm. but at the same time, it's not a plot that you're like, what what is happening right here? So yeah. it's a solid plot. Mm-hmm. The cast, one thing that you give, you have to give Penny Marshall, we were kind of talking about it before we um, started taping. You look at Penny Marshall's filmography, and Penny Marshall was a director who utilized <clears throat> her standing in Hollywood mm -hmm. to great effect. Because mm -hmm. from Jumpin' Jack Flash, which we talked about last week, all the way to Boys Don't Cry, she has great cast. Yes. Like, these are great cast. And this film has a great cast. You mentioned Jennifer Lewis. Jennifer Lewis is in full Jennifer Lewis form. But I will say that that in, in a comment I'll say about the entire cast, she's maybe in third gear. Like, right. this is a role Jennifer Lewis can do in her sleep. Mm-hmm. Because I have great affection for this film, I will say Jennifer Lewis is very comfortable in this role. Courtney B. Vance. Um, well, actually, I'll start with Loretta Devine. Loretta Devine, same thing. I think Loretta Devine pivoted into character actress yeah. during this period. And, and, and she's, again, third gear, very comfortable in this role, does fine work. Or, or just solid work. Mm -hmm. Courtney B. Vance, I think Courtney B. Vance is a magnificent actor. And I think Courtney B. Vance is one of the actors that, appropriately enough in this film, has kind of gotten caught out because he's in the shadow of Denzel Washington. Mm -hmm. Like his career is concurrent with Denzel Washington. Yeah. So Courtney B. Vance never got the commercial acclaim that I think his talent deserves. Mm hmm. This is a thankless role. Like just the role. Like like you are the the you are the complication. Yeah. In the love story, frankly. Mm. But I think Courtney B. Vance does fine. He's not again solid. Mm -hmm. Solid work. Whitney Houston. I will say this about Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston obviously is not known for her acting. This is my favorite Whitney Houston role, though. Oh wow! I think Whitney Houston was. She she talks about it. She was pregnant at the time. She says she was very happy, and I think that comes across on the screen. Like, I think there is a glow 
to Whitney Houston. I'll say that. And I think the thing about this role is you have to have a character that it's believable that this angel is thinking about risking heaven for. Mm -hmm. And this works for me, especially because they really frame it as him warning her in this maternal, almost domestic state. Like, this is not a passionate love affair. Like, this is not, you know, there's no real sex mm-hmm. in the air between these two. This is an angel who, and and I thought, one the one nice touch that I noticed this time, there's a moment where he's talking to the the son. Yes. Who, who has gone through this loss with his friend leaving. And, and Denzel Washington's angel character, Dudley, is telling him how to deal with loss. And he starts to talk about his mother dealing with his loss when yes. he died. And I link that to him. Like, he didn't have a great love when he was alive. Right. He had his mom. So I said, oh, that's why, like, like Whitney Houston's character is a mother and a wife. And when you look at them scene by scene, most of the time that they're together, they're with the her son, boy. with the little boy, Jeremiah. So, right, and and even after you know they kind of lampshade it, he wants to be married to her. Mm-hmm. You know, so he wants this domesticity. So I thought that was a nice little move, Denzel. Uh, you'll notice a pattern here. One of the greatest actors of his generation. This is not a role where Denzel has to stretch. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I like funny Denzel Washington. Yes, me And too. you don't get it that often. Yes. So physical humor Denzel Washington works for me. Yes, me too. And there's one moment where I said, okay, this is why you get Denzel Washington in this role. And we'll talk about that moment. Um, I thought it was a great depiction of a black church, of a sp- specific type of black church, mm-hmm. like this kind of mid-sized black, like, and there were these wonderful little details. Tuesday night, choir rehearsal, people working on stuff in the church. Wild choir rehearsal. Wild choir on. rehearsal. The tension between the trustees and the deacons mm-hmm. and the, the church secretary. Mm-hmm. Like there were these wonderful little touches mm-hmm. that it, that I think, frankly, is, is the foundation of my real affection for this film. Yeah. Gregory Hines is in here for two scenes. Yeah. Not enough Gregory Hines, Not which enough. which, you know, as I pivot into the critique of the film, there should have been more Gregory Hine. Like there were decisions made about this film that I'm like, why are y'all doing this? And it's not more Gregory Hines. Mm-hmm. Solid film. Whitney Houston. This is actually my favorite Whitney Houston um, album too. Oh, wow. Okay. Whitney Houston singing gospel. Like I will say smartly. Whitney Houston is an okay actress, but but Whitney Houston is a magnificent singer. You can't knock that. And they and, and Penny Marshall make sure you get Whitney Houston singing. I know why y'all came here. Right, which I think is also part of the appeal to Dudley, mm. where it's this angelic voice. Mm-hmm. There are criticisms. You notice I didn't mention Penny Marshall's direction. I think Penny Marshall is, here's that word again, a solid director. I don't think she does anything revolutionary. Right. I don't think she has a style per se. Mm-hmm. But part of solid is you aren't necessarily a gifted director. Right. And I think a gifted director, a more, I won't say sure hand, but a more deliberate hand 
Mm-hmm. This film comes in at two hours and four minutes. Yeah. It's way too long. Mm -hmm. It's way too long. And there are, you know, I was thinking there are two subplots that I think you could lose one of them. But if I'm being honest, you could lose both of them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one with the, with the guy that gets arrested and, 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 oh, yeah, and that's not really developed that much. And then there's this whole thing with the son's friend mm -hmm. is going to go away because he has to go to a foster kid. And you can lose both of those subplots. The, the one with the kid getting arrested, it doesn't really serve the narrative any more than the rest of it. Like we right, get it, Courtney right. B. Vance's preacher is busy in this and the other. And then I never really understood the Hakeem thing anyway, because immediately when you see all four of them together, well, why don't they just adopt a boy or take the boy in? Because that's what everybody does. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what everybody does. Yeah. Like, what is all this sending him across the country business? Yeah. Clearly, they're going to take him in and or adopt him. And then yeah. they spend all this time getting to where you are immediately when you see them together. This is also another example of a film that mistakes cute for acting ability. <laughs> yes. God bless the little boy who plays Jeremiah. Uh, that would be Justin Pierre Edmond. He is an adorable young man. Adorable. He is not a great actor. He's not a good And guy. one of the real missteps that this film makes is that it hangs a lot of it. A lot him. of the film on him. Mm -hmm. But again, I really like this film a lot. I have mm -hmm. a lot of great affection for it. I think it's a solid film. I have a lot of affection for The Preacher's Wife. As well, I'm one of those people that went to the movie theaters to see it, and when you saw it, you got lost in the, um, you rightfully put it, the glow of Whitney Houston. She almost seems to be glowing in some of these scenes, um, especially when she sings, um, you know, I Believe in You and Me. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh well, yeah. like, if that doesn't hit you, oh, oh well, my God. Well, that's my moment. Yeah. That's my moment where you see, okay, this is why you get an Academy Award winner to play Dudley. Yeah, because you can see Because his cause, face. Because his face, is, he's us. Yeah. Because that's what we're like, whoo. I mean, like, that, you know, we talked about before about how, you know, some people sing a song over and, it, you know, like remakes don't work. I'm sorry. That oh. is my version of that song. Yeah. Still like the original. Yeah. But that's the version of that song. Um, so there is a glow to this. And I went in there and and I love funny Denzel. Mm -hmm. I love myself. some. It's so cool to see Denzel, you know. Uh, um, be goofy. Be goofy. You know, when he's dancing. The whole dancing. <laughs> when he's dancing and Lionel Richie comes up and he's just still bopping around him. I'm like, look, Denzel's just having a good old time. Yeah. He's just having fun. He don't care what y'all doing. I'm dancing. He, he, I mean, he's doing a Popeye. I mean, Denzel's having a ball, man. Yeah. I'm like, look at Denzel, right? I was like, oh my god. I was with. I I am with that. So I have huge affection. Jennifer Lewis. You, you're right. I think she's in cruise control on this film, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially at this point in her career. And I didn't know it until I read he, read it here online that she's probably a little upset. Yeah. For being cast. I know what you're about to say. 
as Whitney Houston's mother. How many years? Is it three? It's six years. I, I know. She's I kn- six years older I, than I Whitney Houston. I know it's something ridiculous. She's six years yeah. older than Whitney Houston. Now, to be fair, if you told me that Jennifer Lewis was 10 years older than Whitney Houston, I probably would believe it. But I think that's also because of the way they dress her. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I think she's probably feeling like, you know, I'm not at the point in my career where I should be playing her mother. I hear you. So just so I think that's probably why she's yeah. a little bit cruise control because she's a professional. She's going to do her job. She found it in a blanket, <laughs> blank, 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 blank. Well, not I mean, she's fine, but she's just a. She's such a good actress. Like yeah. you said, she's doing this yeah. in her sleep. Mm-hmm. Loretta Devine, I have, since I first met Loretta Devine, my meet cute with Loretta Devine was in a different world. Mm-hmm. And since then, I have had a ticklish soft spot on my heart for Loretta Devine. Mm-hmm. Not only because I think she's a tremendous actress. I do think she's a tremendous actress. I think she is a beautiful woman. Absolutely. A tremendous talent. A a tremendous. So she very rarely missteps for me. Oh, Um, okay. And and I don't think there's a misstep in this either. Oh, okay. I actually think that once she hits the screen, that's when this movie becomes a little fun. The first oh, time okay. with her and Denzel in the office, <laughs> yeah. that's when the movie that's is a cute fun. Scene. Yeah. That's when, you know, she's like, oh my God, you have no job. Like, that's a cute... I'm awake now. Right, right. You know, right. And, and quiet as kept, I think Denzel wakes up at that point too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a moment in the, when he first arrives and he's playing in the snow. But I think for the most part, he's. He's trying to channel Cary Grant the rest of the movie, Cary okay. Grant from the original, yeah, and be kind of like the you know the charming Denzel, yeah, which he can do, but I think it sometimes sometimes it looks like he's he's putting the charm on as opposed to just being, being right. Denzel. That's my read on it. Yeah, I think he also in those scenes is trying to make up for the person that he's working with against most often than not either the young boy Jeremiah yeah so he's trying to build those scenes into something or he's working against Whitney Houston right. who we have admitted is not the best actress right Courtney B Vance <clears throat> I like Courtney B Vance mm-hmm. but I always find myself in almost everything that I see Courtney B Vance doing or at least that comes to my recollection thinking that uh, could he be doing a little more Mm. could he he, could he be doing a little more like I feel you like I want to like you I want to feel for you dude I want to ride with you but (laughs) just leave me wanting a little bit okay and in his performance in this left me wanting a lot right now, I know it's a thankless role. Like you said, he's playing opposite Denzel, megawatt smile, Denzel, you know, you know, Denzel putting the charm on. Yeah. Um, Denzel looking like fly as hell in his gray suit. 
<laughs> I mean, like, dude, if nobody else didn't leave the theater saying, like, where can I get this 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 coat and this hat and this whole thing, this whole hookup, I don't know who you are because I was. Um, I actually was thinking about the like the low level angel magic that's throughout. <laughs> like, like he has on the same clothes and nobody ever talks. Nobody about ever claims whole thing was shaking. But the most the most stark example of this low level angel magic to me was when Courtney B. Vance tells him to take his wife out dancing and stuff. I actually sat on my sofa and said, I wish to hell that I would send my wife out with 1996 Denzel Washington in a suit. Thank you. Thank you. And then and then you actually are upset <laughs> that they came home smiling. I said, what you think, brother? I said, Dudley must be using that angel magic because there's no, like, this is the most... Take my wife out. You can't bring the mail in and hand it to my wife. Are you out of your rabbit ass mind? Right, exactly. So, so Courtney V. Vance left me wanting. Okay, a bit fair. In this movie. But I went in rewatching this, and I haven't seen this movie in for, forever. And I know they play it every Christmas. I was about to say, I'm. It's I, a perennial favorite. It is, but more often than not, it's playing on something with commercials. I don't like watching movies with commercials. Sure. So I don't watch it. So this is my first time seeing it in a while. All of my past affection for this film mm-hmm. immediately lost very close to the beginning of this film from a very small thing that happens. What is that? So you have the church, which I will agree is one of the most accurate depictions of a black church that I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah. All the way down, you're talking to the small touches about the choir rehearsal and them working in the background. I love that even in rehearsal and even at the performance, the kids are very much kids. Yeah. There are kids looking all over the place. <laughs> there are kids picking their nose. Yeah. The, the the one boy, it tickles me every time I see it. He who's he, playing Joseph. He's like, who would imagine? <laughs> right, right, right. Shrugs his shoulders. Right, right. Big bold eyes. I'm yeah. like, that's such a kid. And yeah. like, they, this is what they told me to do. Who would imagine right, exactly. a king? I, it tickles me every time. So that is great. So it's early in the movie. Early in the movie, they're in church. They're everything like that. They leave church. They're walking. Uh, uh, Pastor Diggs and his wife Julie are walking up with Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's like they're crossing the street. You know, uh, Hakeem lives across the street. Can we get Hakeem? He's like, sure, you can get Hakeem. Here you go. And they let this Jeremiah's what four, five years old. Yeah, about five. They let the boy's hands go. Watch both ways while you cross the street. Yes. And they let this five-year-old boy <laughs> run across the street. Across New York Street. A New York New York Street where church has just let out. Church has just let out. So people are getting in the cars That's left right. and right. That's right. They let him run across the street, get his same age <laughs> year old friend. And come back. And them come running back across. This is a preacher <laughs> and first woman of the church that let their child do this. The implicit child endangerment threw you out the whole thing. That I'm like, 
<laughs> is, is anybody not watching what I'm watching? It, was, it, it, it did seem weird. I was like, it was 1996. It was a different time. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> we just used to let kids run willy-nilly across the streets. No, it wasn't. It was a different time. It's winter. It was before Twitter. I mean, there's ice on the streets. <laughs> Take your time because there's ice on the streets. They're, they're wearing these boots like they live. It's like, is, is this Fargo? Do y'all live in Fargo? Why is he wearing those boots? I'm sure I didn't notice it the first time I seen it. Yeah. But watching that now, it's like, yo, he was forever suspect to me the you, rest of the movie. You are a bad father. He was. And by extension, you are a bad mother. And the proof was right there and in the, the beginning right of the movie. The that's fair. That's the reading. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. I'm sorry. I, I lost it for him after that. Just to continue in that vein, and I just chalked it up to, again, Dudley magic. To your point, Dudley spent a lot of time with him by himself. The little boy. The little boy. This man that they just met. Mm. Like, he went up into the room, like the part I was talking about where he was telling about the loss. And Julia comes up and sees this strange man in the room with her son talking about death and loss. And then she just sort of smiles from the doorway, and I was like, "Y'all, y'all, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be strange men not- in the room with you." But I just chalked that up to angel magic. That part was angel magic. No, it wasn't. Your part was bad parenting. That's bad parenting bad- too. Well, it was angel magic. No, angel magic. The magic. He sent his wife out with 1996 Denzel Washington. <laughs> angel magic. All that being said. All that being said. I'm I still I still for the most part like the movie. Yeah. It it, it just it just like that bothered me. Courtney B. Vance bothered me. There's not enough Gregory Hines. Um I actually like Lionel Richie. It was <laughs> I don't know what the hell Lionel Richie was doing. Them though. Hey Julia, I ain't seen you in the longest. You know, like you said, you made a choice. It's like, why is Lionel Richie a hip cat all of it? What is well, happening right now? Because they know they cast Lionel Richie. 1996 <laughs> Lionel Richie, he's in the midst of remaking himself a little bit. <laughs> and, and this was one of the choices this that one he of the could choices do. he made. He's just one of the choices. Like this, like this might be my new joint, right? Exactly. Here. I'm Lionel Richie hip cat. Because quiet is kept. He's probably playing the role. That Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines, if not cast right. as this that's in a, that role, that's a very he would have been in that Gregory role. Hines would have been great. And just like the role Gregory Hines played, they wouldn't have had him in here enough. Right. <laughs> but, but 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 think about it. Lionel Richie with his painted on beard, <laughs> if you flipped him and he's the real estate guy. Right, right. He kind of fits. He kind of Because he looks kind of right, oily. Right. And, I was hoping he was Satan. Yeah. Like the first time I like the very you're first right, time I saw right. the movie, I was hoping that we were about to get some type of complication between the two of them. Where like now it was a demon yeah. who had come. That one might have been fun. Nope, it's just Lionel Richie just making Lionel a, Richie. He's making a choice. <laughs> I said, Ooh, Lionel Richie's making a choice right now. <laughs> come on, baby. Come on up here. Sing a song. It's like, why's his voice like? What is going on? Oh, he's making a choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's oh, 
Oh, it's the preacher's wife. It's the preacher's you wife. Like it's the a silly wife. Christmas film. All right, you like it. You like it enough. You know. You know, could have been better. You know what so it is? You know what it is? It's the Swiss Miss hot chocolate. No one is arguing that Swiss Miss hot chocolate is the best of the hot chocolates. Right. Like, you, 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 look, it's, it's that package and it's like that kind of grayish brown mix mm-hmm. and you pour mm-hmm. it out and it's got the little turd looking marshmallow, marshmallow pieces, but you pour the hot water on it and it works. Yeah. And it's like, I like it. Yeah, I do. Hey, you want some hot chocolate? What do you got? I got the Swiss Miss in that little packet. You know, I would like some hot chocolate. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, fine. And that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. And say la vie. You know, again, I have great affection for it. Because, and, and Frank, a lot of it, I like to, do, again, like you've, we've said, I love the depiction of the church. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. I love the music. Well, yeah. Well, you said this is your favorite Whitney this Houston album? This is my favorite. Yeah, look, I don't really... Whitney in, in this Whitney Houston's career, and it, like I love Whitney Houston, love, but but she was real poppy. Mm-hmm. This is unapologetically black gospel music that she is singing, and That's I true. love it. Again, Whitney Houston was not the greatest actress, but no. I like the warmth. Like 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 we've said, like there's a glow. With her, and and then she talked about, it. like I said, she was pregnant. She was really happy. That's interesting. You said that. Because <coughs> I read it. where she me- she mentions that by the time, at least of the release of this film, so you got to figure that would, goes into part of while she was making it. That she says uh, doing drugs and specifically cocaine was almost an everyday thing. Well, everything I read says she was happy, and when she, she does. Made this I film. mean, she looks. I mean. Reading that made me look at her, mm-hmm. and there are times where she is like the one thing I noticed in this film, and I don't know if this is a problem with the direction or the acting or whatever, but there's a lot of ADR. There's a lot of overdubbing of lines, mm-hmm. which is usually an indication that they didn't get the coverage of the film like they wanted to. Okay, and it's technical in, and considering that she sometimes. And I don't know how much of it's colored by what I read. Has like a little glassy look. Oh, I did not notice that. She at looks all. like I've, she, I've never noticed that. She looks like outside of the. Scene, I mean, any glassier than in any movie she's ever been in. Yeah, she and, and she really sometimes looked and and maybe and maybe it is the pregnancy. You know, maybe you're just right. a little and the tired. role. Well, she she also spoke of like at first she had turned down the role. Yeah, because she didn't think that this was. She th- she didn't see herself in this role. It's not because that it's not act- her, it, and it's not that active of a role. I, I mean, again, the Courtney B. Vance role is is what did I say? Complicated or thankless? Thankless. But in a lot of ways, this is that you know the Julia role is too. You're just the object of affection. Well, no, she said she said that um, she didn't see herself in the role because she knew her. She goes for bad guys. Right. This is not the type of person she would be, like, even remotely. He would not even, like, make her blink. Right, right. You know, so she couldn't see herself being, like, this domestic person. that She knew that wasn't her. Right, right. Bobby's sitting in the background with no shirt on eating Chinese food. 
Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, and I think that shows a little bit in some of those scenes. Outside of the scene where she come, you know, she's at the club, right, and she's singing, right. The, the rest of the scene, she's kind of like, huh. yeah. Well, it's a passive role. I think that's the role. Uh, maybe so. Right. Maybe so. And you know, this is this is a this is a, a bone of contention with us throughout. Yeah. Like these kind of passive roles mm-hmm. that when, you like your women active. You like your women doing stuff, well, the, which I can appreciate. Well, to be honest, as much as Jennifer Lewis probably had like a little, you know, bugger butt about playing a mother to someone six years younger than her. I mean, how much older than she is? I mean, I think that's the Jennifer Lewis. Like, that's just her deal. No, no. But she also also probably had a little bit of a bug in her butt because of her talent. Sure. If you told me, and I don't think it shows, but if you told me that Loretta Devine maybe also had a similar bug up her butt, I believe it because... I'd love to see this movie with Loretta Devine in the Julia role. Oh, my God. Nobody's making a movie with a woman who looks like Loretta Devine as the love interest for 20 more years until Tyler Perry does it. Well, they're not making it for the feature film. Yeah. You know, TV one or they should. They should. And I I think you're right. I think it would be super interesting and frankly better because Loretta Devine is a better actress and and a better and, you know, a a better talent. Mm hmm than Whitney Houston was in this role. But uh, ain't no way in hell Loretta Devon was sitting somewhere in 1996 going, that should have been me, or that could have been me. Mm, probably not. Right. But Like Jennifer Lewis, I'm going by that. Jennifer Lewis is like, I'm only five, you know, and I look better. Somewhere smoking. Right. Like this. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm sexier than her and this, that, and other. But yeah. That's your Loretta Devon stuff right now. Like you're talking science fiction now. You just love Loretta Devon, which I think is charming because I also love Loretta Devon. But I also live in the real world and ain't no way. We just finished talking about this with Whoopi Goldberg. Wasn't nobody treating sisters right. It's true. Would you recommend The Preacher's Wife? I would. I would. Uh, it, it's long. Yeah. It's long. You know what? Here's the thing. I think... If you commit a, a half hour to this, and you're going to have to do a solid half hour because talking about the length and how, you know, leisurely it is to be mm-hmm. nice. Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston don't meet for almost a half hour. Yeah. Give it a half hour. Give it 35 minutes. So mm-hmm. you get 10 minutes or so with Whitney Houston and Denzel together. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy these characters by that point go ahead and watch it because I like the characters I like the story I like this world that Mm. I like spending this time in it Mm. but you know yeah sure I like the preacher's way yes I recommend it I would recommend it too yeah and I don't think you have to give it a half hour I think you 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 put it on I think like you said it's one of those movies by the title by looking at the cast you kind of got an idea of what you're getting in, what you're in for. So I'm telling you, so you're probably like, uh, uh, preacher's wife. Is that going to be? Yes. Okay. It's something. Just put it on, sit back, relax, watch funny Denzel. Get to, get to Lionel Richie making a decision. Exactly. He's making a choice. There's yeah. a choice. Yeah. And, and get to 
uh, Gregory Hines making the biggest flip I've ever seen from a villain in a movie. That's what good. That's what a good sermon does. That's angel magic. And he and he said we'll talk about. It. <laughs> I I did notice this time he didn't say I'm going to forgive the mortgage. He said we'll talk about. We'll it. talk about that mortgage. We'll talk about it on we'll Monday. Talk about that mortgage yeah. thing. You know. Yeah. We'll set it. Well, you know. We'll set up. We'll set. Up. We'll, we'll we'll tax your wages. It's fine. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of the preacher's wife. Um, it's been fun. You you know what? Um. Next week on the Michelle, are we doing the show next week? I mean, I, I thought we were. I guess we do have to do a show next I mean, week. It's just the twelfth next week. Yeah, so we're gonna have to do another show. Well, you know what that show is gonna be? I, I don't. I don't know. What's, 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 I don't know. What's it's gonna be right a now. long overdue binge lounge. Oh, for Christ! What? <laughs> what? <clears throat> you like doing binge lounges? I'd rather we do, like, let's do the work. I like the work. I like the work, too, but I like the binge lounge. It's still a binge. It'll be right before Christmas. It's the show before Christmas. It's our show going into Christmas. It's the show that's going to run on the week the week um, before Christmas, before our Christmas break. Let's just binge lounge. Let's just shoot the stuff. Yeah, binge lounge. Or would you rather do our five-month overdue Spock adjacent? We should probably. Here's something. Uh, <laughs> you, you saw DC Fontana died? Yeah. I am so amazingly embarrassed and ashamed of myself. I did not know DC Fontana was a woman. Really? Wow. It, 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 you know what? I deserve that. Wow. I bitch. deserve that. I deserve. You do. I did not know. Like outside of Michelle Nichols, she's like the first woman of Star I, Trek. I'm, well, in, in, I'm one, in, I guess, in, in um, Marjorie Mar- uh, Barrett. Yeah. I deserve that. Yeah. I was so ashamed of myself. How did I not know DC Fontana was a woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Uh, she died uh, this week, um, 80 years old. I know. I know. And she's had a piece of uh, Star Trek, the original series, The Next Generation. And I think she's actually did some work on uh, Deep Space Nine. I think you can make the argument without DC Fontana, there might not be a Star Trek. No, not as you know it. Like she's one of the the real foundational blocks. Yep. Very early on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a big loss. Yeah. That's a big loss. And we'll have to go in more on that when we finally when we sit finally, down. When we finally sit to a Spock right. adjacent. But next week, we're going to do a binge lounge. We're going to do a binge lounge. We'll talk about decisions that we might do differently. Yeah, we'll talk about, so we'll look back on uh, our past shows. Some, um, you know, maybe reviews that we, uh, you know, want to take back. Um, talk about it. Interesting idea one of our past guests suggested to me uh, about having sitting down with some women to look at some of the films that we reviewed that to get a woman's point of view. Okay. Because like I was thinking about I was talking about how we we had already done Claudine. Yes. And remembered that Claudine was just the two of us. It was. And she's like, oh. You know, as a black woman, I would have loved to be able to talk about right, that right, film. Right, I was right. like, well, that's, we might be interesting to get right, that. Right, and right. she also wanted to give a black woman's take on New Jack City for her. Right, right. So, so like the, 
like the women review the men. Yeah. Because, like, to me, that's what I'd be interested in. Like, obviously, what they say about the film, but, but I also, I, I like feedback. Right. So, oh, I, yeah. like, I would like them to review our episodes. Oh, that'd be interesting. Like, how did we do? How do you think we did? You know what? That's what, that's what, you, we'll make that so. You know. What are your notes? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, and also on the Binge Lounge, we have to... <laughs> Reveal to you, ladies and gentlemen. It's funny until you think about it for more than five minutes. And then, like, quietly, we were talking about it. It's actually a little creepy. Yes. Go ahead. We have to uh, <laughs> tell you all about the curse <laughs> of the meteor man. The curse of the meteor man. <laughs> the curse of the meteor man. Trust me, you do not want to miss I'm this like, one. is God trying to tell us something? God is trying like, to tell you something. Right, like you should, like God you're supposed to listen to signs and portents. Like maybe something. All right, but but we'll. Yes. <laughs> the curse. Of so tune in yes. for the binge lounge colon the curse of the meteor man. And other concerns. <laughs> Next week. The curse of the Michelle. You see what we did though? Like, I wasn't really that, I was a little ambivalent about the binge lounge, now all in. but we programmed it. <laughs> now you all Y'all just saw how the sausage got me. Like, y'all actually just saw the big, gross lumps of meat get stuffed into the grinder in real time. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.